Hey, how's it going everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 17 of the Essential X-Labs, where uh, we are once again not talking about an issue of X-Men. Today we're going to follow two of our, uh, well I guess former sort of kind of cast members of the X-Men title uh, into their new gig. We're going to see what happens when Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch officially throw in with the good guys here. This is Avengers number 16. Had a May 1965 cover date. The story is called The Old Order Changeth, and, uh, well, this one really doesn't need much of an introduction, does it? This is a uh, very seminal Avengers story, right? Uh, I think many of us, if you're listening to a show like this, uh, you probably are at least somewhat familiar with this issue. Uh, written and edited by Stan Lee with layouts by Jack Kirby, art comes to us from Dick Ayers. Letters Artie Simek, colors uh, someone in the bullpen, maybe a few people in the bullpen. I couldn't tell you for sure. Cover price, 12 cents. Now, we gotta mention the cover for this one, right? It's uh, fairly spectacular, and it's the sort of cover gimmick that, uh, well, both Marvel and DC would use from time to time, where it's, uh, we've got one of the main characters there, who we know will be part of the team, surrounded by pictures of, uh, of potential newcomers here. We see it, like, on the cover of All-Star Squadron number one, right? You got the table full of uh, photos of uh, characters who would be potential teammates. We've, of course, seen it in Avengers comics. Uh, I think we saw it, like, in Astonishing X-Men Volume 2 number one, uh, that uh, weird miniseries where we found out that, uh, well, what happened to Wolverine when we thought he died um, (laughs) during uh, some sort of skirmish around the turn of the century. But here we're seeing it for the first time in the Avengers, and uh, it's pretty cool here. We got Captain America stood before, like, a wall with posters on it. And each poster has a different character on it. We got some villains, we got some heroes, we got some former villains. It's a, it's a goodie. And, and I'm, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you are probably familiar with this cover, so I probably should just get on with it, shouldn't I? Now, as we open this one up here, we are picking up from last issue, which, uh, well, uh, we didn't read for the show. Here we have the Avengers. It's Thor, Iron Man, Wasp, and Giant Man, and they're in the thick of battle with the Masters of Evil. And the baddies include the Enchantress, the Executioner, the Black Knight, not that Black Knight, and the Melter. The Masters of Evil threaten to destroy the city and, uh, you know, kill a whole lot of civilians unless the Avengers back off. And Pym assumes that they're bluffing, and Thor suggests that maybe they don't take that chance, and uh, wishes that he had the wisdom of Odin to rely on to, uh, to guide him in this situation. Now, the Masters of Evil insist that the Avengers surrender, and the Melter melts a lamppost to show that they mean business. <laughs> I tell you what, if that doesn't convince an actual Norse god to stand down, I, I don't know what will. Iron Man then remembers that, you know what, hey, we're an actual team, and we have actual maneuvers in our arsenal. And so he tells Thor it's time to enact Plan D. Now, calling something Plan D tells me that there would be, like, this would be like the Avengers' fourth course of action in a jam, right? You know, Plan A, B, C, and now D. Well, let's keep that in mind as we watch it play out. Now, Thor spins and spins and spins and spins and spins while uh, swinging Molyneux, uh, which literally opens up a portal to another dimension through which the Avengers and half of the Masters of Evil, plus a winged horse, get sucked through. Enchantress and the Executioner, they're able to evade the portal. I guess they're very familiar with Thor's um, spinning and spinning and spinning, so they, uh, they know to kind of block it. And so, 
From here we join our heroes, plus the Black Knight and the Melter, somewhere else. Now the baddies charge the goodies, but here's the thing. In this dimension, whatever dimension it is, I mean, not even the Marvel Wiki seems to know, though, uh, honestly, that's not much of a surprise here. Uh, the Marvel Wiki only seems to care about uh, variant covers and uh, kissing up to the, uh, you know, flavors of the week, I suppose. Um, so it's not much of a surprise. Now, in this dimension, the bad guy's powers, they don't work. I mean, how convenient is that? Also, I mean, how likely? I mean, I know, I know, never mind, never mind, we'll just let it play out. Anyway, the uh, Avengers tie up the bad guys and they prepare to return back to the 616. Along the way, the Wasp does a little bit of thinking out loud, wondering how Captain America is doing down in South America. And hey, how about we find out? Let's, let's go down to South America, where we join up with Cap and Rick Jones as they're burying Baron Zemo. Now, Zemo perished last issue, which, uh... We, you know, we didn't read for the show, so we'll just have to take Stan's editorial footnote for it. Now, Cap expresses that he doesn't feel so much relieved as he does empty in burying his arch foe. Now, some natives who have been uh, looking on all bow in reverence to Captain America. He tells them to stand up straight because they're free men now. He and Rick then head over to a nearby jet in order to fly home. But before they get there, they're attacked by some of Zemo's remaining mercenaries. Now, Cap throws himself at them, like as though he's doing uh, like a high cross body off the top rope. It's very, very goofy looking. But then a mercenary lobs a grenade at the jet, blowing it up real good before the baddies scurry away back into the jungle. Now, despite not having a way home, Cap is undeterred because, well, he's always got a plan. Meanwhile, back at the Avengers Mansion, we got Iron Man, Wasp, and Giant Man. They're, uh, well, they're all talking about how tired they are of being Avengers. Uh, they need a break, you see. Um, now, Thor, he's not here anymore. He's gone to attend to the Trial of the Gods over in his own book, you know, back when continuity actually mattered. So, yeah, our uh, trio of original Avengers, they're, they're quite tired, and they need some time off. Now, Iron Man suggests that, uh, you know, hey, since Cap and Thor ain't here... How about we just disband while we have the chance? Wow, I mean, talk about the nuclear option, right? But then, the meeting room fills with smoke. Now, Tony goes outside the room to check out what's going on, and he finds that the smoke is emanating from an arrow that had been fired into the wall. He, and we, likely know who's responsible for this, but how about we all just pretend to be surprised anyway when we discover that it was... Hawkeye, who done fired it into the wall. Gasp. Um, now, he explains to the Avengers that uh, he comes in peace, because firing smoke arrows into a wall is always the best way to show that you come in peace. Now, he's actually here because he wants to join the Avengers. Hawkeye then takes us into flashback land, where he recalls a recent adventure he had, which uh, we did not read for the show. This was Tales of Suspense number 57, or as Stan cites it, Iron Man number 57. Hmm, that's a little confusing. Now, in this tale, he and the Black Widow were duped into working for the commies. And so, now he'd like to devote himself to making amends for being a pinko pawn. Now, in order to show what an asset he'd be, he's already bind and gagged Tony Stark's butler. I'm not sure if this is Jarvis or not, but whoever it is, he's tied at the ankles, wrists, and has a gag in his mouth. I mean, remember, he comes in peace. Um, now, Hawkeye fires three arrows at once at the butler, which cuts all three bindings. Now, Giant Man is immediately sold, because endangering their butler is 
just the perfect way to prove your worth, right? Now the wasp says, va-va-voom, which I think is 60s-era lady speak for me likey. Iron Man scurries off to fetch Hawkeye the Book of Avengers bylaws immediately. The following day, uh, Iron Man decides to try and do a little bit more recruiting, you know, filling the ranks while he and the rest of the originals take a step back. And so his first call is to Namor, the Submariner, and, uh, well, Namor tells him to, uh, basically to eat a bag. Um, then we shift scenes to the Swiss Alps, where a far too friendly with each other set of twins currently reside. Now, it is the Maximoffs, naturally, uh, and they're the only reason we're reading this book after all, so of course. Uh, Pietro rushes up with a copy of the Swiss Alps Bugle, which uh, includes an article about how the Avengers are recruiting new members. He suggests that this could be their chance to make good. Now, Wanda's not so sure. After all, they'd only just recently made a vow never to use their powers again for other people. I mean, she says this after they've both changed into their costumes, so, I mean, come on. Uh, She then thinks back to how the pair of them had been manipulated by Magneto, and Stan's editorial footnote tells us to check out practically every issue of X-Men, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, Wanda asks why they didn't just join the X-Men, since, you know, they always admired them anyway. Now, Pietro responds by saying that he wants to forget that they're homo superior, Well, you just wait about a half century and an editorial temper tantrum later, and that'll fix it for you. Wanda says she'll do whatever he wants. And so, he writes a letter to the acting chairman of the Avengers to express interest in joining up. We go back to New York, where the Avengers have already pulled together a press conference to announce the situation. They're going to be changing their lineup, of course, starting with the addition of Hawkeye. Now, the press corps in attendance thinks that he'll make a great Avenger. Iron Man informs them all that they're still, you know, engaging in interviews for further new members. Now, after the press conference, our heroes dig into Willie Lumpkin's mailbag to check for some messages. And uh, Wasp thinks that this job is beneath a superhero, but uh, I'm guessing she doesn't put up too much of a fight. Let's jump back to the Amazon. Captain America and Rick Jones swing over a pond full of alligators, or maybe they're crocodiles, I can't tell the difference, but it's, uh, it's like they're in the game Pitfall or something. They then happen across a huge boa constrictor, and Rick is all, kill it, kill it. Uh, Cap tells him that it won't bother them if they don't bother it, and uh, that, my friends, is uh, is one to grow on. They next find a white man um, who is being attacked by a leopard. Cap tosses his shield in the big cat's direction, clanging it right in its face. The man thanks him, and Cap is surprised that he's speaking English. Now, he takes this to mean that they're getting closer to civilization. Despite the fact that the natives who were bowing to them a few pages back and probably many, many miles deeper into the jungle were also speaking English. Oh well. Whatever the case, this white man loads our heroes into his jeep and drives them to the seaport of Karuka. From there, they'll be able to find easy passage back home. Now, a quick search of the word Karuka only brings up a solo golf cart, so I don't know. Uh, Now, speaking of seaports, let's shift scenes to one in New York. There, the Maximoffs are arriving to meet with Tony Stark. Now, Tony introduces himself as something of a financier for the Avengers, which I guess isn't a lie. Maybe it's a lie of omission, you know, but uh, it's, it's true, right? Uh, Wanda and Pietro then remove their long coats, revealing that they're already in their costumes. The press rushes in to snap a bunch of photos, uh, forgetting that they're mutants, who we are now told are universally feared and hated. Oh, well. 
One newsman asks Pietro to give a demonstration of his super speed, and he begrudgingly does. He, you know, he's like, this is below me, but uh, I will do it because I'm trying to uh, make a good impression. Now, he runs circles around Stark's big old boat of a car as it drives. He naturally gets to Avengers Mansion well before Tony and Wanda arrive in the car. Now, inside, Tony shakes Pietro's hand and wishes him luck before slinking into an adjacent room to change into his armor. Now, he thinks to himself that Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch will make fine Avengers, but he wishes that they could track down the Hulk and convince him to rejoin as well. From here, we jump over to LaGuardia Airport, where Cap and Rick arrive in a small jet, and then they proceed to drive back to Avengers Mansion. Once there, they see that the press has absolutely mobbed the scene. Easily a hundred reporters and Avengers fans have gathered here at their doorstep. Uh, Cap literally leaps over them into an open window to check out what's going on. Rick joins him moments later, and I'm assuming he didn't jump a full story to enter that open window. Which kind of begs the question as to why Cap wasted the strength to do so himself. Now the Avengers happily welcome Cap back. Nobody cares that Rick is with him, nor should they. Wanda and Pietro look on at this happy reunion and see just how different this team is from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Uh, you think? Um, anyway, after the dust settles, Iron Man informs Cap that he, the Wasp, and Giant Man are going to be leaving the team effective immediately. And these three goofballs, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver, are going to be their replacements. Cap is unsurprisingly gobsmacked with this announcement. Now outside, the journos talk about what a huge story this is, just as big as the last presidential election. Now, the most recent presidential election would have been 1964's, which uh, pitted Lyndon B. Johnson and Hubert Humphrey on the Democratic ticket versus Arizona's own Barry Goldwater, William E. Miller on the Republican ticket, wherein LBJ absolutely trounced the Republicans here. Um, This was 486 electoral votes versus... Goldwater's 52. Um, Now, Goldwater literally won six states, all in the South plus Arizona, since that's where he's from. Now, elsewhere, the news of the Order Changer thing has reached many supervillains of the Marvel Universe. Enchantress wonders if uh, the Avengers will now be weaker or stronger. Now, the Executioner doesn't care who the Avengers are so long as he can destroy them. Kang the Conqueror promises to strike again soon. The Mole Man says next time they clash, he'll defeat them, which is adorable. And Immortus vows never to rest until he beats them. Iron Man finally emerges from the mansion to make the big announcement. And that announcement is, of course, that the Avengers have a brand new lineup. And, as we know, it's Cap's kooky quartet. He tells the press that Cap and the gang will be out to make an official statement in the coming minutes. Back inside, Iron Man wishes the new team luck while expressing a little bit of sadness that he's no longer an active Avenger. Cap tells him, hey, you'll always be an Avenger and there will always be a place for him whenever he wants it. Iron Man leaves with one piece of advice. Find the Hulk. He then heads back into the meeting room where he, Janet, and Hank all leave. Now we close out with the Kooky Quartet making their public debut with Captain America belting out an Avengers Assemble to seal the deal. Next issue shows that Cap took Iron Man's advice to heart because the Avengers are going to search for the Hulk. But we'll have to take their word for it since we won't be reading that one. What we will be reading next time is the uh, arrival of the Juggernaut and what his uh, odd connection to Professor Xavier is. I mean, I'm sure none of us know, right? None of us know that story. So we'll all be learning this together 
next episode. But uh, for now, let's talk about the Avengers. I had a lot of fun with this one. I'm glad that we did it for the show here. Um, it does invite some like weird questions about um, what does it mean to be essential to the X-Men story, right? Um, I mentioned uh, probably several episodes ago, like I don't know what to cover in as far as uh, Pietro and Wanda are concerned after this point. I don't know if their story beats will be, you know, essential to the X-Men uh, from this point on, or if they're going to be certain stories we should make sure to cover, other stories we might not have to cover so much. I mean, I'm already worried about what happens when the Beast joins the Avengers, and when, uh, you know, Beast, Warren, and Bobby join the uh, the Defenders, and when they jump, o- jump over to the Champions, like, how much of that is essential to the... To the world that we're building here and the story that we're trying to share on the X-Lapsed family of shows. And, I mean, the easy answer is all of it, right? But, uh, I mean, that's, uh, we're talking thousands upon thousands of books. And, uh, I mean, I'm only one man and uh, uh, people ain't listening to the show as it is. So <laughs> it's a pretty big commitment to uh, to jump into something like that. But with that said, I think I'll have to rely on uh, on the listeners here to let me know which stories... We should be covering. Uh, I'm going to do my best to do as much research as possible. If something feels like it is essential to the story, I definitely want to include it. Otherwise, I mean, I'm, I'd be okay just doing a mention. Like, if we're covering an X-Men book, I wouldn't mind, you know, dropping a few lines about what Wanda and Pietro are up to over in, uh, over in Avengers or even elsewhere. But with that quandary out of the way, uh, let's talk about this issue here. I uh, mentioned how funny it was that... You know, Thor used uh, Plan D or Maneuver D or whatever, however he <laughs> phrased it. And uh, it tells us that the fourth course of action for the Avengers is to whisk people away to another dimension. Which, uh, a little extreme, a little convenient. Um, though, kind of tame when we uh, compare it to what Reed Richards is going to do in the uh, wedding issue of Fantastic Four a couple episodes down the line. That is also very, very convenient. And, uh... Kind of extreme, but we'll get there when we get there. I love the idea that the Avengers, who've been around for not very long, I mean, there was no Marvel sliding timescale at this point, so if Avengers number one was a year and a half ago, we might assume that they've actually been Avengers for a year and a half. Like, when we're reading the X-Men, we know that literally over a year has passed in the book, because they celebrated, you know, Jean Grey's one-year anniversary way early in the run, right? And then we had the the team graduate. So, I mean, time is passing very quickly, probably in real time for uh, for back in the long ago here, but I love the idea that the Avengers are like, you know what, I'm tired of being an Avenger. Uh, how about we disband while we can? <laughs> you know, Thor's busy, Cap's not here. Oh, should we? Let, let's let's just disband. Let's uh, let's bar up the windows and get the hell out of here before anyone notices. I, I just think that's hilarious. I also think it's great how they just take the first three uh, characters that come to their door here. Uh, we don't know if they turned anybody down. We didn't get a look inside of uh, old Willie Lumpkin's mailbag there. But it's just great that like Hawkeye sneaks into the mansion, accosts their butler, fires a steaming arrow into a wall, and is like, no, no, guys, I'm here to join. <laughs> and they're all like, well, I'm sold. Sure, come on aboard. Then we get a pair of folks who, last we saw, were part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I mean, in this issue, the Avengers fought the Masters of Evil. So evil is a word they're aware of, right? So we have two members of the Brotherhood saying, Hey, we'd love to join too. We're, we're trying to turn over a new leaf. And 
sight unseen, they're invited to the mansion to to join up. It's a, uh, I don't know, it's just very very quaint. It's very charming. Um, and as silly as it is, I I can't help but to love it. Speaking of quaint, the uh, Captain America and Rick Jones bits were also quite quaint. Um, seeing the two of them do their best Pitfall Harry uh, impersonation, swinging uh, on vines over uh, crocodiles or alligators is uh, fairly awesome. As is um, Cap suggesting that by hearing somebody speak English that they're closer to civilization, despite the fact that they started their journey talking to people who speak English. It's <laughs> it's very silly. Uh, probably another one of those reasons why you should never edit your own work, right? Thought the art was nice, the story was nice. It was just a fun issue and a nice uh, bit of flavor to add to the... Uh, the X-Men lore here. I'm already looking forward to the first time they run into uh, Wanda and Pietro in their Avengers togs. Uh, they're going to be at the same party pretty soon, but they're not going to have... They're not going to cross paths. Uh, they're not going to see each other, really, at the uh, the wedding of Reed and Sue. But we will, of course, cover that just a handful of episodes down the line. But overall, like I said, it's a fun issue. It didn't feel like a slog at all, which um, is kind of unique for a book of its vintage. But, uh... I mean, if you're listening to this show, you've probably already read it, or you're at least familiar enough with it that you probably don't need to read it. But um, if you are interested, I would uh, highly recommend checking it out. It's a nice, seminal bit of both Avengers, X-Men, and Marvel history, and uh, well worth a look. But that's all we got for today. The uh, mailbag is empty, so no mailbag today. And uh, if you'd like to be part of the mailbag, well, you know how to find me. Um... You can shoot an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can call the X-Lapse voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. You can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com for all the blog posts and show notes. You can join us on Facebook at 90s X-Men. And, of course, uh, head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com for all of the archives. It's available basically anywhere. If you're listening to this, you already found us. But uh, I would love for you to share the link if you are so inclined. But that's going to do it for today. I would like to thank you all so much for sharing some of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.